everybody, welcome to the Bucks, Bulls, and Bows podcast. It is November 22nd, I think. Um, it's Tuesday, anyways, so <clears throat> might be off there on a day. But uh, heading into um, in, kind of into late season mode here, coming up after Thanksgiving. At least that's what I consider. Not that you can't kill a deer all day long. It just seems like the number of sightings start to dwindle greatly. Um, a lot of these bucks that you're going to see, I actually had a pretty good morning today, but I've got my son this afternoon, so... I'm headed back from, from hunting already, but, um, the, the number of bucks you're going to see when, when you see those bucks, they're going to be really dragging tail as we roll into Thanksgiving and pass that a little bit. And then, um, what'll tend, what tends to happen with a lot of mature deer is they either, well, I mean, you only have two choices, but <laughs> they're either going to probably stay where they're at as they realize they're just not going to find a whole lot more does, or they're going to head, head back to the home range. That decision i'm going to say probably has a lot to do with how much food and, and the quality of food sources that they have wherever it is that they they landed <coughs> excuse me and again a lot of deer obviously um you know they're going to stay in their home range like it's it i would say probably more mature bucks wind up heading in places they've never been to before and when i say mature i'm talking about four five six seven especially five six seven eight year old deer um they tend to wonder quite a bit during this time of year so and, and you can go back in a couple podcasts and listen to like how i feel like this week's gonna play out here before thanksgiving and, and it pretty much has for me um you're also going to notice a lot of does in groups again um you'll probably see groups of five six seven eight does again this is <clears throat> excuse me gosh i got the coughs today all of this is really relative to where you're hunting at i mean if you don't have a ton of deer in your area obviously you're not going to see that many deer you may see more um but typically you're going to see them in groups of four six eight uh does together with fawns they may or may not be with uh, does and fawns that they've been with all year <clears throat> i just don't know that like that's, that's, that's i don't know how you would tell that unless you were looking at some radio radio colored studies and i just don't think that um biologists really go about studies in a manner that would careful about this i guess that's probably not going to be overly beneficial to those of us that are hunting mature whitetails and that type of study is something that probably they, they i don't know why they would would care um <clears throat> or why they would monitor that. i'm sure there's a reason but it's just i don't know so um i just know that that's what you tend to see you know like last week like i said there was a, probably a lot of does you saw by themselves that were single does that had been bred after after we got through that um that lockdown period now those should all be reuniting now, where you want to go to now, in my opinion, like it's, it's pretty much the same as what I told you before, but if you're in the Midwest and you've got some honeysuckle or green vegetation, as we warm up, they're really going to desire that green stuff, um, whether that's a, a food plot in, in uh, turnips or brassicas or winter wheat in some areas, especially Kansas. Um, it doesn't seem to have quite the attraction here in Iowa that it doesn't like Kansas, for example. But... Uh, clovers alfalfa fields as we move into that that late season stages those deer they're, they're more concerned about food than they are anything else but for the next week or so you're still going to have some opportunities with the exception of gun season states because that's really going to uh suppress your daytime movement um if, you, if you're in a gun season state but like you know states like iowa and, and kansas we haven't had our gun seasons yet that won't happen until next weekend so um we're, we've got our deer pretty much in a fairly natural state compared to what some of you are who have already had guns go off in your areas or other high pressure areas. So when, when you're choosing where you're going to hunt, 
over the next uh, few days and into Thanksgiving. I'm still making all day sits, other than, like I said, I got to go get my son today. So um, today's not going to be a day. I'll be sitting all day long uh, tomorrow for the foreseeable future until until after, I should say foreseeable future, until after at least Thanksgiving. <clears throat> and then I might start hunting more mornings and evenings as I see daytime movement kind of get less and less and less. So I am seeing deer pretty consistently all throughout the day. I would, in fact, I would argue maybe I'm seeing more activity in the midday hours than what I am in the uh, uh, later hours. So uh, later or earlier hours of the morning or the evening. Um, but again, I don't have a ton of food sources that I hunt in the evening. Um, I'm hunting a lot of public ground. There are places that there are food sources in our state on our public grounds where, where row crop are different. There's at least percentages of it left um, and where there are like not like brassica type food plots, but, or at least not that I'm aware of. I don't know of any, but you can find a lot of ag fields where they've left some standing crops in our state. And it seems like that varies from track to track. So like if one place leaves some for the deer one year, they don't necessarily leave it for the next year. It doesn't seem like it. It just depends on probably the, whoever's got the contract for the state, I would guess. So Anyways, not to get sidetracked, but uh, evenings, I definitely would be hunting food sources. Mornings, I'm still hunting a lot of those terrain funnels because, again, I, I think we've still got three or four days, maybe five days of left of bucks cruising long distances they're not normally cruising in. Um, but but as you start to see those bucks really start to wind down, you can just tell by the way they're walking, they're just going to be worn out and dragging. Their aptitude or that's uh, not the right word. Jeez, I'm having a hard time with words today. Their, their desire to uh, come to calls will really start waning down some, especially when we get past Thanksgiving. Um, but into into this whole weekend, I, I'm still going to be fairly aggressive with my calls. I, I do blind rattle every once in a while, almost out of boredom, to be honest with you. Like, if I haven't heard anything or seen anything for a while, I just give a rattle um, here or there and just see how it kind of shakes out. I'll, I'll also do some long breeding grunts, but I pretty much reserve those for times when I'm, I'm with a deer, or I, I have a deer in sight, and he's not in bow range and something I want to kill. Or sometimes I just communicate with deer just because I want to see how they react so that when I do have the opportunity to kill one, I want to make sure I'm, I'm saying the right things with my grunt call. So um, there, there's a few sounds that, that are a little bit different. You don't hear a ton of it. Uh, people talk about it, they, and they, they really misname some vocalizations. But the, the way I like to talk about and, and this is really what I wanted to get into today was the, the communication, especially with the grunt tube. What I really want to talk about is how deer communicate. Um, something you probably need to think about or, or understand is that deer are just like us. They have different voices, like meaning like if you listen to my voice, it sounds much different than uh, my brother's voice or somebody else's voice. Like you could recognize individuals by their voices. DR, I believe, are very, very much the same. It's it's what they're saying, not what it sounds like, um, if that makes sense. Meaning, like, I can, uh, I can say the word stop, and, and, and it might make you stop. But I can say, I can yell, stop! And when I yell like that, there's a significant difference in the inflection of my voice, and, and you would take those two different ways. Like, meaning, one is asking you to stop, one is yelling at you, telling you to stop. Same word, just pronounced differently, for lack of a better term. And you can hear that in two people's voices, and it'll still mean the same. 
So I, I hope I'm not losing any, or I hope I'm describing this correctly. But if a woman says that versus a guy's voice, just to make a really, really contracting, con, contract. <laughs> Gosh, I cannot talk today. Contrasting different view, like just take a man and a woman's voice, have them, you know, say stop and then yell stop. The, the, then, then the way you react is probably going to be the same. So when you're talking about what deer are, are saying to one another when they're communicating vocally, the inflection of how they're using that sound is what makes a difference in how they respond to that. So the trick is, is understanding what frame of mind that a, a, a buck is in. And, and I, I really like the tail end, like going into Thanksgiving into, the, into this weekend, more so than even the earlier days, because uh, um, those deer are, are, are much more susceptible to those those calls if, you, if you're making them the right way. And for the most part, they're all kind of in the same mindset. They've all had some tail. They're all looking for tail. They're starting to get a bit worn down, and they aren't finding any for the most part. So... Um, they're all kind of in the same mindset. They're not necessarily looking to fight, but they might come to the antlers because they hear a fight. And if they're fighting right now, they're fighting over does. They're not fighting over food sources. So if they hear some fighting, they might come to the rattles. That's, that's my last choice. If I see a buck, I'm, I'm, I'm wanting to bring in a bow range. That's my last choice of what I'm going to do. And oftentimes that last choice works pretty good. Um, as, as a very last resort, very last resort, a, a snort wheeze. Um, when you, when you perform those, Man, I feel like you've got a huh, probably a, a, an 85% chance they're going to blow out of there to a 15% chance that they're going to come to you. And there, there's really nothing in between. Like you snort wheeze, it's either game on or it's check you later. Um, and so I, I don't, man, that is a very last resort. But I generally don't get that far. Usually I can turn a buck with grunt communications this time of year. And again, this has to do with mature, maturity levels. It also do, has to do with the number of bucks to does that you have in your area. So, um, you know, throughout mu- much of Iowa, Illinois, Kansas, um, we, we've got we're, – we're, we're lucky to have, um, oh, I guess you would say DNR goals in place that kind of keep that balance a little bit more favorable of less does to more bucks combination. So – if you're in one of these situations and you hear vocalizations regularly, you're probably in a state where this could be pretty effective for you. So just to kind of break down the grunts, there are different types of grunts, but one of the ones that you hear me talk about, and you can look up some videos uh, through the Deer Society stuff I've done in the past. All that information is the same. But basically, and I've got an extinguisher in my hand, it doesn't matter to me what type of call you use. I do like the extinguisher because if it freezes in this late season, I can slide that thumb control up and down and it breaks it free. And also, too, I can change the tone of that call by sliding that up and down. Now, there's obviously other calls out there you can do that with, like an HS True Talker. There's um, a wide variety of ones you can change things up with. But how, how I generally will start when I see a buck, depending on what the scenario is, but the majority of the time, I'll hit them with a contact grunt first. And that simply sounds like this. That's it. There's no fluting at the end of that. It's not long and drawn out. It's just a simple, simple short contact grunt. What I'm looking for when I do that is, one, is that you're going to pay attention to me right then? Because if he's not paying attention, well, I mean, if he didn't hear it, well, I don't know, it doesn't do you any good. So I'll hit him again. I'll do that two or three times if I have to until I see his ears swivel in my direction or I'm looked right in my direction. 
Um, once that happens, I'll generally hit it one more time, just like that, and see what he does. If he if he just stands there, I'm just gonna watch him and wait on him. Like you've got to learn that when it comes to deer communication, if if you're not already aware of this, less is more. Um, so you generally won't see me sit there and blow on a call in any videos unless uh, that deer hasn't acknowledged me yet. Um, then I might blow two, three, four times. But after that, that's that once I have him acknowledge it, I, I hit him with one communication. I want to hit him with a contact grunt and see how he reacts. If he looks like he's not interested at all after several minutes or he turns and starts to walk away, the next one I go to now, and this is specific to this time of year, is I'll either do some clicking or I'll do clicking in a combination with a long breeding grunt. And that, that is exactly what I, what I mean. Uh, it is what I, what, what I call it, a breeding grunt. Now, you'll hear people talk about this buck roar. Okay, well, they can definitely, quote unquote, roar out of frustration. It's very similar. But in most instances, that's probably not going to work for you. Like, that's right up there with the snort wheeze. That's, hey, I want to pick a fight with you right now not there are two bucks fighting or a buck and a doe breeding you're, you're trying to pick a fight with a deer and, and generally speaking they're not in a mood to fight right now they literally are just looking for tail so i tend not to use that roar at all um which is just an it's it's a kind of like a it's, a it's a longer drawn out grunt that that's that has an accentuation at the end i don't do that at all plus there's a lot of people who will do that because they've seen a video where somebody's done you got to remember not saying everybody, but I know for a fact some of the videos you watch, people cut in grunts um, to make it seem like they grunted in that deer. And I, I can just tell by the way the deer's reacting that's not quite really probably what happened. I'm not saying that happens all the time, but I'm saying it happens. <laughs> so when you when you uh, blow on a, on a grunt, let's say um, you're going to try the clicking or the long breeding combination. The long breeding grunt is something that I hear when a buck is trailing a doe. Same thing with the clicking. And a lot of times it's in combination. It's very similar to that of like a clunk on an elk, if you're familiar with elk hunting at all. With, with an elk, I tap the bottom end of my bugle tube, and you can hear that there's there's a hollow, like a, a glunk. I don't know how else to say that. It's like a, a plunking kind of deep sound that happens from the air being smacked up into that tube um, and pulling your hand away from it. And bulls will do that when they're following cows. And, and I've seen them do it when they're not, but it's usually when they're extremely fired up and they are ready to breed type thing. Same thing with a whitetail, um, not quite as vocal, but there'll be there'll be a series of clicking and you'll hear a buck do when he's following a doe, and some of you may have heard this before. Mature bucks, I don't see younger deer doing this, but you'll hear a clicking sound. And the way I make the clicking sound is just by flicking the tongue on the roof, my, roof of my mouth. It sounds a lot like this. Sometimes I'll just do that. Um, it kind of depends on how quiet it is because I know... You know, if I've got the buck's attention, obviously, you should be able to, to key in on that sound. But if it's really, really loud and windy, I'll I'll definitely add that breeding grunt to it because I've heard bucks do both. I've heard them just do the clicking. I've heard them just do the, the, the long breeding grunt. I've heard them do it in combination. And a long breeding grunt sounds a lot like this. Several seconds long. And, and it, it, it kind of towards the end gets a little bit more aggressive. And I, I'm assuming that's when they're just running out of air, I, I would assume. I, I don't know that. But that that longer breeding grunt, um, I will do that blindly as, as along with the clicking. But I primarily am using that 
if I try a contact run and I do not have any success of, of, of that deer heading in my direction. Something to be very cautious about when you're doing that, like I tend to try to do that when their head is, is behind a tree or obstructed in view. That's not always the case depending on where I'm hunting at. Like if I'm hunting one of these little CRP fingers out in the grass somewhere, um, I may not have that option. But in the timber a lot of times or when they're in timber, I can get away with that. And, and I will literally rattle at bucks with, I'll put those antlers together if I need to. Um, I'll rattle those deer twisting and popping those antlers while the deer is looking in my direction as long as my view is obstructed from them. Or if I can do it behind the tree. That's part of why I like the saddle hunting thing too is I, a lot of cases I can get behind that tree or swing around the backside of the tree and do those, click those antlers together or do my grunt calls. The deer can't see me directly. He's looking right in my direction, obviously, but he's not going to see that movement from, from clicking those antlers together or reaching out for my grunt call. So something to kind of keep in mind while you're doing that. Depending on how that deer reacts, if he heads in my direction at all, I completely stop at that point. Like no more vocalizations. Um, if I'm using antlers, no more antlers whatsoever. Like I don't make a dang peep. In some cases, that deer is going to try to win, swing around downwind with wind of you. Not all the time. I don't know why sometimes and not the others, but sometimes they come right at you. And so as soon as I see a commitment on his end at all, for the most part, I'm going to pick up my bow. That's when I'm ready to go. Or I pick up my phone because a lot of times I film some of this stuff with my phone. I haven't done it this year, but I haven't really had a, a ton of occasion to this year. I've just been really, I don't know, not, not in the right tree at the right time, obviously. I've seen lots of three and four-year-olds. I just haven't seen any upper age class bucks yet, really. Um, so uh, that that's kind of how I, I approach calling at this time of the year because a lot of you guys are asking me specifically about that. It's just a lot easier to do it in the podcast and explain it, and you can hear the vocalization I'm doing. Um, outside of that, there's really nothing else I run with my grunt call. Now, I know a lot of people will say, like, I'm, I'm, I've done situations where I, I've, I've blown a, a, a fawn call and then moved to a mature buck call, and it's worked out for me. I, honestly, I haven't done a lot of that. I have done it in the past, but with very low success. So I stick to what my highest odds are. Just like I was telling you earlier about the snort wheeze thing, I just do not snort wheeze, except for as a very last resort. Um, with the warmer temperatures coming up, and it doesn't look like any any real moisture in the forecast, I'm also probably, you know, not on the page of climbing down out of a stand. I told you guys that before. Somebody asked me about that uh, in a direct message. What do you do if you see a big buck, um, you've never seen him before, and he's walking across the field 100 yards away? man, it's, it, it depends on what environment you're in. If it, I, it's nice if you've got some moisture in the ground that can cover up your footsteps, but if it's dry and, and noisy like it is right now, that's a pretty low percentage deal. But if it's an open CRP type area, I absolutely will climb down and try to make a move on that deer because more than likely, if you see a buck this time of year, that's a mature buck that you've never seen before, you're probably never going to see that deer again. So should you make a move on it or should you try to make a play on it? Like I've talked about before in the podcast, I mean, I feel like you got nothing to lose. Just know that your odds are really low, um, especially if there's a buck following a doe in, in a different scenario. It's it's probably fairly low because it is so daggum noisy out there right now in the timber, uh, at least here in, in Iowa. So, um, again, probably depends on where you're at. If you've got a little bit of rain, I don't even hesitate to do something like that. Um, and, in fact, sometimes I'll even hunt off the ground if it's raining just in, in certain situations or areas 
Um, the other thing that I've started doing too a lot with my saddle hunting is I'm not very high off the ground and I cannot believe what I can get away with. I have deer look at me, um, as you can see in a lot of videos, they'll look at me, but they don't freak. Like they kind of, something's not quite right and they'll kind of walk off slowly. In most cases I could shoot, I'm going to say actually in all of those cases this year, I would have either shot that deer first before it got to that point, or I could have shot that deer um, even after he recognizes something wasn't quite right in that tree. I'm sitting a lot lower than normal. Um, lower on the ground also means it's a lot easier for me to jump out of my stand, especially if we've got wet conditions and, and try to make something happen on a deer. So, um, just something to think about. Uh, you know, if you, if you see that buck of a lifetime right now, I, honestly, I, I do, I try everything I could first. I would start with the grunts and I'm the contact grunt and then move into the clicking and the long breeding grunts. And then if that doesn't work, uh, maybe smack those antlers together if you got them, uh, last resort snort wheeze at them i'm not oh i hate that snort wheeze dude that usually goes so bad for me um and then the other option is and i have had it work too but most of the time it doesn't and then the other option is lastly you know climb down try to make something happen so um tenacity is what kill bits, kills big bucks we've talked about that before and that is uh no lie this time of the year there's a lot less deer in the landscape because they've been shot um you've got a lot of deer doing things they don't normally do moving in areas they, they don't normally are not normally seen in You've got bucks breeding does in odd places that you would never think to look for deer. Um, so honestly, it's just putting your time in and, and don't be afraid to sit all day throughout the weekend. Even, um, I know I say a lot, I usually kind of quit sitting all day long on, on Thanksgiving day. Um, but I've, I've also seen some activity in the middle of the day, even post Thanksgiving day, especially if you're hunting public land somewhere, or you've got land that has other hunters on them. Don't discount the fact throughout the weekend that there's probably going to be, it looks like the weather's going to be nice. There's probably going to be a lot of people out there in the field. If there is a lot of people out in the field and you're hunting a big piece of public ground or whatever, man, most people quit around 9 or 10 o'clock in the morning, probably probably closer to 9, 9, 9.30. When those people get up and start moving, they're going to bump some deer on their way in and out. And when they're bumping deer on the way in or out for about that time and then also to around 1.30, 2 o'clock, they'll be coming in to hunt again. They're going to get some deer up and moving. Once those bucks get up on their feet, they're not likely to lay back down again for a little while. That's been my, from what I've seen, that's, that's what I've noticed. Like they, if they, you get them up and, and they, especially if there's does in the area that are in estrus, if you get them up and get them moving, they're probably going to be on their feet for quite some time. So that may be why I've had a lot of success in the middle of the day. Um, but even when I was on private ground, I didn't have any pressure. I had a lot of success in the middle of the day around Thanksgiving. So Bottom line is um, put your time in and um, pick spots in the mornings and midday hours that are close to bedding areas, um, natural terrain funnels, fence rows, um, any kind of connecting timber, travel corridors between bedding areas. And then uh, evenings, probably just go, I would probably switch it up. I'll be honest with you. I'm not really good at killing bucks in the evening in, in the late later part of the rut and the post rut. It seems like I'm usually done by around three or four o'clock and uh, I don't see a whole lot right at dark. So even I've really shifted my thinking a lot because I used to sit on the on the on those bedding areas or in the same stand all day long. I've shifted shifted now to where around two two thirty, I will climb down and I'll move to a field edge somewhere or a food source if there's one around. Um, but it seems like to me, that's that's probably your best bet. Um, also, too, like I said, uh, when you're looking for heavy cover, if you're in the Midwest, if you're if you're in a, an area of Iowa where you've got quite a bit of this honeysuckle or Illinois. Um, that is a, is actually a pretty major food source for them right now. So my bedding areas that I'm trying to hunt are 
I'm more looking for areas that have that in it than I am areas of just heavy cover for betting, if that makes sense. So I hope that helps all of you. Um, I'll try to get out. I'm sure I'll kick out another podcast. Um, probably, probably post Thanksgiving. I actually have my son Thanksgiving day. I wish I could be out there all day, but, um, I also would rather spend that time with my son cause I just don't get enough of it. So, um, after that I'll be popping in and out of stand, uh, for sure as much as possible tomorrow we'll hunt all day. Um, hunt all day on, uh, well, I can't quite all on a Friday cause I've got my son, but hopefully my son and I, um, it's nice enough weather. I'll have him out somewhere. Hopefully if he's got the time once and has a desire to hunt, I'm going to let him, uh, let him try to, uh, punch a hole in a tag. So after that, I'll be back in the stand again next week, uh, all day, every day until our gun season kicks off. I think on Friday, Friday or Saturday, I can't remember which. So Good luck, everybody. Uh, Stay safe. Wear your harnesses if you're climbing in a tree. And uh, we will talk to you again later. Hope that helps. See ya.